couple of quick announcements here. Um, of course, don't forget we do have the teacher worker meeting after, right after our Sunday school hour here. And, um, and we are in need of teachers and helpers. So um, uh, if you're interested in helping, please, um, please stick around and uh, let us know if you're interested in helping with that. We, we really need some help there. Um, and then, of course, next Sunday we have Move Up Sunday. And uh, so those that were in kindergarten moving up into first grade, um, those that were in third moving into the fourth grade class, and then those that were in sixth grade then moving up into the teen class as well. And uh, so several things going on there. Then on the 31st, we have the Master Clubs and the FBC Teens beginning at 7 o'clock there. So looking forward to that. Uh, And then also don't forget... um, if you're interested in taking any of the classes for the Institute, uh, we do need you to get signed up today um, if you're able to do that. Um, and that is, uh, there's three classes we're offering, the Old Testament Survey 1. Um, there's Bible study methods, different ways of studying the Bible, uh, and then also prophecy. And uh, so those are the three classes that will be offered. And uh, in order to be able to get the books ordered and things like that, we do need you to get um, signed up. Uh, today you say, well, I'm, I'm interested. I'm just not sure if I'm going to be able to do it yet. Um, that's fine. At least let me know that. Um, and that way we can try to have an extra book or something on hand um, because we can always use them later as well. Um, but uh, those are going to be really good. I, I believe already in, um, I think we've already got, um, I don't know, there's about 18 or 20 already registered and signed up for some of those classes as well. So uh, that's a good, good number there. Um, and so get, make sure you get registered for that. And then also don't forget about the First Responders Community event coming up um, on the 10th. And we have uh, the sheriff, the fire, police, uh, all planning on being here for that. Um, and that will be from 11 to 1. And we'll have a, a little cookout, hot dogs. We're going to try to get a little, maybe a little bounce house for kids and stuff like that. But just to uh, get uh, our community to get to know our first responders. Uh, they're going to do a canine demonstration as well. Um, so I don't know what that entails. Uh, if they're looking for a volunteer to run, I'll volunteer Shane, you know, (laughs) um, but, uh, we was just watching him run across the parking lot with all the rain coming down. So it looks like a giraffe, you know, out there running. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, but yeah, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's going to be a good day there. So, um, Plan on coming out for that, and we'll have uh, hot dogs and some drinks and things like that for everybody that come out for the community. Uh, and then, obviously, if you're if you're able to help with that, if you'd like to help, uh, maybe with doing the hot dogs, or if you'd like to help watch the bounce house, or uh, you know whatever, just to make sure that you know kids aren't breaking their necks, or um, you know if you're interested in helping with that, let me know. Uh, I know we still have a few weeks to come uh, with that. Do you have to be a first responder to help <laughs> to watch the Bounton House? Uh, you might have to know, like, how to, you know, splint an arm or something like that, you know. I don't know. Um, I've seen how some of these kids use the Bounce House and things. It's, uh, it's amazing there aren't more kids that end up with injuries. Um, all right, anybody have any prayer requests we need to mention tonight? Any prayer requests this evening? Brother Steve? Yeah, so keep praying for Paul. He had surgery on his eardrums and stuff um, a couple of days ago, and just uh, having a lot of pain and things with them. So pray for pray for Brother Paul. All right? Any other prayer requests? Okay. Okay. And the body was fighting that. The body was rejecting that dead tissue. Yeah. But when they took the leg off, all that's gone and she's really coming. And they are going to fit her for a prosthetic. Okay. All right. Very she good. She'll be back over at Van Crest tomorrow. Okay. So, all right. Thanks for all the prayer. Yeah. So continue praying for Miss Ruth Stubblefield um, and that whole situation there with getting fitted for a new uh, prosthetic and things there. So. All right. Ms. Donna? Uh, still continue for Phyllis Busser. Uh, they're still doing therapy. They will probably move as soon as they're in Brookhaven to the assistant department. Okay. So 
keep praying for Phyllis Buzzard there. Um, right? Yes, yeah, Bob? Okay, so pray for Ruth Kane as well. Having some issues with her feet, swelling, and things like that. So, okay. All right. Any others? Any other prayer requests? Um, our missionaries of the week. Um, let me see if I can. So, if you have the bulletin there. Um, Missionaries for this week uh, are the country. The country of the week is Cyprus, uh, population about 1.2 million um, there in the, uh, the Mediterranean, and uh, so a small, uh, small island there, uh, but be in prayer for the country of Cyprus. And then our missionaries are um, Dave and Ruth Kimmel, who are in Romania, and uh, I actually was able to write them uh, a week or so ago and ask them if they had any prayer requests. They sent me a couple uh, that we can be praying for this week. Um, uh, let me see. He says, thank you for your message. We're doing well following a busy month of ministry, hosting three short-term uh, termers and holding VBS for the children uh, in an art camp for teens. Pray for those who attended to remember the lessons taught and desire for personal relationship with Christ. Uh, pray for our teens, many who are working now during the summer and they're not always able to come to the youth group. And so pray that they'll be able to get back into church um, they're hosting a teen retreat next week, uh, August 24th through the 26th, uh, for teen girls, for older teen girls. And so that they pray that they're able to have, um, many teens come. And if they're not saved, that they'll get saved. Uh, and if they are saved, that they would just kind of grow closer to the Lord through that. And, uh, then they also have a, uh, back to school festival that they're having September 4th. Uh, so it's an outreach to the community, um, as far as helping to supply some school things um, for some of the children there. And so uh, be in prayer for that. And then also they have a short-term lady that's working with them, Sarah. Um, and so they've just asked prayer. She continues to adjust to life here and away from family and friends in the U.S. So um, just continue to pray for those. So uh, pray for the Kimmels in Romania. And uh, maybe remember those prayer requests throughout this week. And then also we have the Brooks, um, Matthias and Mary Brooks who are missionaries in Bolivia. And um, Brother Brooks says, uh, we're doing well. Uh, Mary and I arrived at South Carolina on Saturday. Uh, this would have been about a week or so ago. Um, praise the Lord, we already have a car to drive, but please pray for safety on the road. Uh, and as for me, as I share the ministry in Bolivia and minister God's word, we want to be a blessing to our partners in the Lord's work. And uh, so be in prayer for them as they travel. Uh, on, um, they're on furlough right now. And uh, they will actually be with us in a couple of weeks on September the 4th. Uh, Brother Brooks uh, and his wife will be with us here, um, and they'll be kind of sharing about their ministry there in Bolivia. So uh, looking forward to them uh, being with us. And uh, so I encourage you to email them, let them know that you're praying for them, the Kimmel family um, and the Brooks, and, um, and continue praying for uh, the country of Cyprus and those requests mentioned. All right. Um, okay. Let's see if I can get this working right. Did it stop raining out there? I actually see sun shining. Who knows? I know, man, it was coming down a little bit earlier. It was coming down like cats and dogs. Uh, let me see. So the, tonight we're going to be looking at the, um, the sanctity of life. Um, obviously a very, um, if we want to, wanted to say uh, touchy subject, um, a very um, subject that is um, debated, um, and um, obviously there's um, a lot of controversy over it, um, and so we're going to look and see uh, what the Bible says about that, um, about the sanctity of life, and uh, some of these things, if I can get my iPad to work properly. Here we go. Oh, 
All right. Um, so let's just um, let's just start with a question that um, really, I guess, is kind of the core question of what we would call the issue of sanctity of life, right? And that is, when does life begin, right? Um, because if we're talking about the sanctity, obviously the word sanctity means the value, right? The value, the sanctity, it's, uh, it's sacred, right? Um, and there's value to it. But in order to be able to talk about the value of something, you have to know when something begins, right? Um, when does life begin? Um, how valuable is a single life? You know, one life. Um, does the value of a life change if that life inconveniences someone else's life? Right? I mean, these, these are all questions that, unfortunately, um, our society is very confused about today, um, which we should not be, right? Uh, go to the book of Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1 in verse number 26 Genesis chapter 1, verse number 26, and it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So when we think about it, God says that he is the creator. He says, let us make man in our image. Um, God is the creator. Obviously, when we think about God and we talk about the Godhead, we're talking God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's why when it says here in verse number 26, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Those are three important words there. The word us, the word our, and the word our. Okay? Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Okay? Uh, and I've heard lots of people try to, to you know, interpret this and say, well, God is speaking to the angels. Well, there's a big problem with that. Um, angels cannot create, Right? So why would he talk to the angels and say, let us make man in our image? That, sorry, that just doesn't fly, right? An angel cannot create anything, okay? Um, and so even in the very beginning, even in Genesis chapter 1, you know, from verse number 1 all the way through, we find the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so, yes, God said, God is referring to the Godhead there, let us make man in our image, Okay. Um, And so when God is speaking, he's speaking about the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, okay? And we are made in the image of God. We are, just as God is a triune God, we are a triune being, right? We are created with a body, we're created with a soul, we're created with a spirit, right? Um, And and God formed a man, he he formed a, a shape, if you wanted to say, he formed a shape from the dust of the ground. And it was not until God breathed into the nostrils that man became a living soul. God breathed into him life because only God can give life, right? And so we are created in the image of God. And so these questions are crucial to understanding life. When does it begin? Um, what is the value of life? Um, and does, you know, if, if, it, if there is a life that inconveniences me, does that life now have no value? Does, is that life somehow less valuable because, simply because of the inconvenience that it causes me? Okay. Um, so again, the, these are crucial questions in understanding life, but they're also important for us to, um, to personally answer. Because we have to have an answer for these questions because people are going to ask these questions. Um, and, and we have to have an answer for them, right? Uh, and again, our, our answer, when we think about it, um, everyone has some type of worldview, 
right? Everybody has a worldview. How, how is worldview, how is someone's worldview determined? How is somebody's worldview determined? Brad? How they're raised, right? How else? Culture, right? Ms. Donna? Okay, what's right in their own eyes? What, they, what they've been taught what is right? Ms. Allison? Media. Oh, media, right? Media has a big uh, influence in that. Oh, hold on. That's not supposed to be up there, right? Um, all right. Life experience. Life experience, okay? All right. You see, and this is why missionaries really have to grasp a lot of this because, you know, you can live in a culture like America and then when you go to another culture, you can expect to do something a certain way, but it's not going to be done that way because you're living in a completely different culture, right? It's a totally different culture, okay? Um, and so if you think about it, um, basically every one of us are looking through, if you wanted to give an example, as an example, everybody, all of us are looking through a picture frame, right? There's a frame that we're looking through, okay, um, that's going to determine how we see the world, right? Um, now, the outside can change, okay, right? The outside through the seasons, you know, people passing by, you know, night, day, all of that changes, but the frame, the worldview is going to stay the same. It doesn't move. There is a, there's a consistent vantage point through which we're looking, right? And that's the thing we have to understand. There's going to be different issues that we're going to be viewing, right? There's going to be different cultures. There's going to be different things. But there has to be a, something consistent that we're able to look at all of these things through that no matter what culture we're in or how someone is raised, we can go back and say, this is right, not because I think it's right or because you think it's right, but this is right because it is truth, right? Um, and so our, our worldview is built on many things. Um, you know, it's built on family, you know, how your family views things. Um, it's built on the education that you received, right? Uh, it's built on, um, friends and, and people that speak into your life, what, what they say about certain things. Um, it's built on personal experiences that you've had, right? Um, but here's the thing, everybody's personal worldview is limited, right? Everyone's personal worldview is fallible because we're dealing with culture, we're dealing with influences, we're dealing with people, right? And so because of this, we have to build our worldview not on family, not on friends and what people say, not on culture, not on experience, but our worldview must be built upon what? The Word of God, right? Our worldview must be built upon the Word of God. When our worldview is built upon the Word of God, then, again, that's, that's that unchanging, that's, that's something that's never going to change. And no matter what we're looking at through that worldview... Okay. No matter what we're looking at through the lens of this book, the issues will change and the scenery will change, but this is going to give us the right worldview. Okay. And that's the problem that we have in our society today is everyone is basically coming up with their own worldview. That's why um, when people are asked, when does life begin? They don't want to give an answer. Why? Well, because my opinion might be different than your opinion, right? And I don't want to offend you and you don't want to offend me. And so we just won't give an answer to something that really is already given to us, right? It's like going out and saying, what color is the sky? Is the sky blue? Well, I'm not going to give an answer to that because you might see it differently than I see it, right? Is the grass green? Well, you know, I'm just not going to give an answer to that, you know? Now, again, I understand there are times when the sky is gray, right? I understand when there are times where there's grass is yellow and brown, right? Uh, but for the most part, the grass is green. The sky is blue, right? Uh, clouds may be white and gray, but the sky is blue. Um, and so we have, to give us, we have to answer these questions. And 
I, I've, I have two clips I want to play here for you in just a second because I want you to, um, to see how important these things are, right? Um, Tom, is the, is the audio on for the, com- for the computer stuff? Should be on? All right, well, if it doesn't, we'll, we'll try to adjust the volume here. Let me play this first clip for you. It's only about 40 seconds, and then um, this is the first clip here. When, uh, when does life begin, in your opinion? Senator, um, I don't know. <laughs> Ma'am? I don't know. Do you have I, a I belief? I have um, personal, religious, and otherwise beliefs that have nothing to do with the law in terms of when life begins. Do you, do you have a personal belief, though, about when life begins? I have a religious view. Religious belief? That I set aside when I am ruling on cases. Okay. So she has a religious view. Again, she never says what it is, right? But here's what she did say. She has a religious view that she sets aside. A religious view that is set aside when ruling on cases, right? If, if the truth is right, why set it aside? Why, do, why does it need to be set aside, right? And she never does. She, what does she say? I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to give you an answer. She said, I have my own personal beliefs. I have a religious belief. I have a personal belief, but... I'm not going to tell you what that is, right? Um, For those of you who don't know, that's uh, Ketanji Brown, who is um, now um, on our Supreme Court, who can't even answer when life begins, right? I I found this other clip. I thought this was very interesting. I'll let you listen to this. Washington is recognized. Thank you, Madam Speaker. Please yield one minute to a leader defending life, gentleman from Florida, Brian Mast. The gentleman's recognized for one minute. Thank you. As all remarks are supposed to be directed to the chair, Madam Speaker, when is a life a life? Madam Speaker, when is a life a life? I'll open it up to the rest of my colleagues over there. I would wager none of my colleagues on the other side will tell us when life begins. I've got a $20 bill here. It's not worth as much as it used to be worth. I'll put it down here on the table. Any one of you or your colleagues wants to speak up and tell us when life begins, it's sitting here for you. Madam Speaker, when is a life a life? When does it begin? That's the most extreme idea to come out of this body, that you won't acknowledge when a life is a life. That's true. How extreme not to acknowledge when a life becomes a life. I mean, nothing. No answer, right? Is it any wonder that our world is so confused? I mean, these are supposed to be people that are, are again, when they're not religious leaders. They're supposed to be political leaders, but they won't even say when a life begins. So is it any wonder that you have professors in universities, you have the media, you have all of this trying to say that We don't really know when life begins, and so because we don't know when life begins, then, therefore, life is not valuable. Because if we don't know when it begins, if we cannot say that there's a life there, right? If we can just call it a fetus, if we can just call it something else, but it's not a life, then it really has no value. And if it has no value, then... If it becomes an inconvenience to me, then it's not a problem to do away with it because it's not really a life, right? And I think, and again, we're, we're going to be very, um, 
I'm not trying to, please understand, I'm not trying to um, degrade anyone through this, okay? Um, But we do want to go back to what does the Bible say, and then we stand on the Word of God. Because, again, this, this idea of human life, and even especially the life of the unborn, this topic can become a heated one. Um, there are different opinions, very varied emotions become involved. And so when we're talking about something like this, there are, there are two things that I think we, we need to remember, right? And as we go through this, we want to, we want to keep these two things central in, in what we're looking at, right? The first one is that truth matters, truth matters, right? Um, it's not just whatever someone thinks is right. It's not just whatever someone thinks is truth. It is what is truth. And the only place that we can truly find truth is from the word of God. Again, that's why, that's why we've talked about it. People are, uh, they're trying to destroy the word of God. They're trying to tell us that this book really doesn't matter. It's an old archaic book. Why? Because it has truth in it. And when we go by the word of God, we understand what truth is because God doesn't lie, right? So how you or I feel is irrelevant to the reality of life. And that's something we have to understand when dealing with truth, right? When we're dealing with truth, how I feel is irrelevant. It's not relevant. Because I can totally disagree with it, but guess what? It doesn't change that it's truth. Again, we we are living in a society that is totally trying to disregard truth, but it doesn't change what truth is. Now, they're trying to change it, but truth is still truth, okay? And truth matters. That's why it's so important that we know what truth is and we stand on it, right? Not just our feelings, not just our emotions, okay? What is true according to the word of God? Not what is true according to our church, not what is true according to our family, uh, but what is true according to God's word, right? And the second thing we have to remember is not only does truth matter, but tone matters. Tone matters, right? One of the reasons why I hate texting and emailing, right, is because you cannot hear someone's tone in the text or email, you know how many fights have been started and friendships lost and divided over simply because someone read something and they heard it in a tone that was never meant to be heard in that tone? Why? Because there was no actual voice speaking. It's just letters on a piece of paper. And so therefore, your feelings and your emotion is going to put into that what you want it to say. So tone is really important, right? It's, it's huge. It matters, okay? Um, and it's, so it's, it's possible to hold a biblical position and yet communicate it in such a way that it is difficult for others to receive. You understand what I'm saying there? You can have a biblical position, But if you express it in a way that is difficult for others to receive, it's it's like you've just you've just totally lost your shot, right? Um, I don't hear about them so much anymore, and I'm very thankful for that. Um, But a few years back, there was a group out in Kansas called Westboro Baptists, right? Anybody ever heard of Westboro Baptists? A few of you, right? Westboro Baptist, um, which I really wish they wouldn't have put Baptist in the name, um, but they would say that, of course, the Bible says that God is against homosexuality. And we would say, yes, that's absolutely true. That is truth. Truth matters. God is against homosexuality, right? That's truth. But their tone was wrong. Their tone was wrong, right? Um, they would go to places and 
not just picket, but in mean, rude, hurtful ways, try to get their point across, right? And that's why the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 15, speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. He says we are to speak the truth, right? Truth matters, but so does tone. In how we speak it, and how we refer to it, right? Never, never should Christians talk about people that are homosexuals or anything like that and say, well, they're just a bunch of idiots. Why? That, that's a wrong tone. Now, again, is homosexuality wrong? Yes, okay? So is lying. So is cheating. So is immorality, Right? Uh, so is lust. Those are all wrong things. Okay? They're all wrong. They're all sinful. Okay? And so we have to make sure that in our tone, in how we're speaking, there is love. He says, speak the truth, but speak it in love. Right? Are we against homosexuality? Yes. Are we going to go out to people that are homosexual and say, God hates you and you're going to burn in hell? I hope you don't. That's the wrong tone. Because does God hate them? No, God does not hate them. He died on the cross for them. He loves them. Does he love the sin that they're involved in? No, of course not. Just like he didn't love the sin that you or I were involved in before we came to know Christ. He doesn't hate that person. He loves that person. He gave his life for that person. So tone does matter, right? And in the same way, when we're talking about the sanctity of life, when we're talking about, and obviously we're going to be talking about abortion, right? Which I believe, and we'll look through this, but when we come to what the Word of God says, that the taking of an innocent life, that, that's murder, right? But do we go to Planned Parenthood and abortion clinics and everything like this, and just as we see them pull in or whatever, say, hey, you're a bunch of murderers, no, of course not. That, there's no love in that, right? And we're going to talk about these things as we go through because truth matters. And again, when, when we're looking through this, through this frame, our worldview, again, it doesn't matter what we're viewing, what scene we're looking at, what person we're looking at, what the culture is we're looking at, Right? It doesn't matter if it's homosexual. It doesn't matter if it's abortion. It doesn't matter if it's adultery. It doesn't matter what it is. Two things we must remember. Truth matters and tone matters. Those are so important. And those are two things that you can see exemplified through the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that he grew in and he was full of grace and truth. Everything that Jesus spoke was absolutely true, right? But he was also full of grace. And unfortunately, a lot of Christians, we might say, well, hey, we have the truth, but we don't have a lot of grace. Now, let me tell you something. I am thankful for grace. If it was not for grace, <laughs> you and I would not be where we are today. It's the grace of God. It's God's grace that he was willing to save us from our sin, right? He was full of grace and truth. And as Christians, we have to exemplify that. We need to follow that pattern of being full of grace and truth, okay? So as we look at the sanctity of life, we want to speak or to clearly speak the truth as God has revealed it, but yet we also want to do it in love. We want to do it in love, right? Um, Because we truly do care about the individual. We really do care about that person. And I'm afraid that the reason why so many times we do not speak in love is because we really don't care about that person. We don't really care whether that person goes to hell or not. And that, that shouldn't be for a Christian. As a Christian, we ought to desire for that person to come to know Christ as their Savior, right? 
So let's look at some things tonight. Let's, tonight we're just going to kind of start as we look into this. The first thing that we have to understand that the Bible speaks of is that we are formed in God's image, right? We are formed in God's image. Um, this is such an important truth that the Bible teaches about life. Again, think about it. God says, let us make man in our image after our likeness, okay? And so what does it say? And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them, okay? So again, at the very beginning, God is already showing us, one, there's only two genders. There's male and there's female, right? There's not 70-some different genders. There's not more genders. There's two. There's male and there's female. You say, well, you know, I just, I, I don't believe that. Well, again, we're just going to go back to truth. The truth, right? God says, first of all, he's the creator, right? And he created two genders, male and female, okay? That's it, male and female, okay? Um, and so the truth Again, when we think about being formed in God's image, it's so, this truth is so big, it's really hard to wrap our minds around. Because what does it mean to be created in the image of God? I mean, think about it. What, what does that actually mean to be created in God's image? Anybody? Okay, in his likeness, but what do you mean in his likeness? How so? Okay. Like how I speak or my personality or Okay. Right. All right. So Miss Nita is talking about the image being created in the image of God is being created in like the personality of that person. We are created with the personality, right? Okay? Somebody else. What does it mean to be created in God's image? What does that mean? To be created in God's image. I mean, that's what he says. Let us make man in our image. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. So what does it mean to be created in the image of God? Because this is an important truth. I mean, Jesus puts it, or God puts it out here right in chapter one. Boom, here we are. We are created in the image of God. Rob? Okay, all right. Um, animals don't have souls, where men um, men have souls. Um, okay. Anybody else, brother Rich? Okay, we live forever. Man's created to live forever. Animals are not created to live forever, right? Brother Andy. Right. We have an intelligence, right? God has created us to think and, and use our brains and, uh, you know, things like that where other, other animals, I mean, yes, they think, you know, um, but it's not the same type of intelligence that man has. Um, anybody else? Again? Okay. We are able to know God. We're able to, we can choose to. Um, take that knowledge of God and either choose to know him or choose to reject him. Okay. Right. Randy. Okay. We have the will to either choose to follow him, love him uh, or not to, you know, so many times, you know, people say, you know, well, created in the image of someone means you're, you're like them. So we're created, um, you know, 
like that person, right? Um, but we have to understand being created in the image of God um, isn't necessarily dealing with physical characteristics, right? We're not necessarily dealing with physical characteristics here. Um, if you think about it, almost as soon as a baby is born, family members and friends try to determine exactly which parent the baby looks like, right? Um, how many of you saw the little baby this morning at Oakley? There is no doubt, no doubt who little Oakley looks like, right? Um, I mean, she is just, she's the spitting image of Nolan. There's just no doubt about it, right? Um, and so, I mean, from as soon as, it, as soon as a baby's born, and I'm going to be honest with you, right? I mean, I've, I've had six kids, and I've seen a lot of babies born. And, you know, two days old, you know, like, my wife's like, who do you think she looks like? Does she look like the mom? She, look, I'm, she looks like a baby. I, she just looks like a baby. He looks like a baby. How can you tell which one? I mean, I mean, unless it's really, really obvious, most babies look like babies, right? But everybody's trying to figure out, who do they look like, right? They're trying to figure out the likeness of the baby, right? Who are they like? Um, who do they resemble? Which features favor which parent? Whose eyes did the baby get, right? The baby can barely even see, you know? It's like, who does it look like? But when we think about God, God is a spirit. And so God does not require a human body, right? Now, of course, we know that Jesus Christ came and took on human form, but John 4, 24 says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So God is spirit, right? So when the Bible says that we are made in the image of God, it's not talking about the physical characteristics. It's talking about being like God in an immaterial way, not physical, but namely, we have a soul and a spirit and we have the capacity for a relationship with God. God made us for a relationship with him. When God placed Adam and Eve in the garden, what does it say? That God would come and he would walk with them and he would talk with him. God made man to have a relationship with them. And, and I could be wrong, um, I really think, again, I, I cannot give you chapter and verse, but just as kind of I've studied a little bit, it, it just has, you know, kind of a, occurred to me. It almost seems like this was Lucifer's problem. Lucifer was the, Lucifer the devil, right? Lucifer was the most powerful angel that God had. He was the most beautiful angel that God created. I mean, you read what uh, Ezekiel says and you read what Isaiah says about Lucifer and he's just this beautiful, magnificent angel. But here's the problem. Lucifer was not created to have a relationship with God. And what happens, Lucifer is created to serve, right? He's an angel. That's what the word angel means. It simply means a servant or a messenger, right? And so he's created, he's beautiful. He talks about his voice singing, right? I mean, God, God loves music. God loves singing that brings honor and glory to him, right? Um, and I know we're getting really off topic here, but it's, it really is fascinating to see how the devil uses music because that's what he was created to do. He was created to sing, he talks about his, his, the, 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 his pipes, or basically we would want to say like your lungs, to be able to, to sing forth those praises. He was created to worship. And then God creates Adam and Eve, and God creates them to have a relationship with them. And Lucifer says, no. No. If that's what you're going to do, I want to destroy them. I want to be God, and I'm going to take everything that God has made, and I'm going to try to destroy it. And what does he do? He destroys the relationship that God has with man. He understands when God says the day that you eat of that fruit that you will die. He, he understands that it's not talking about a physical death, although it will lead to a physical death. But he understands by disobeying God, it's going to cause him to be separated from those that he loves. 
And so he deceives Eve and Adam into eating the fruit, knowing that it's going to cause this separation from those that God has created to have a relationship with. Because we're created to have that relationship with God. You think about it. Think about the relationship that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have together. In complete harmony, in complete unity, the relationship that is there. There's no jealousy, there's no envy, there is complete unity, love, and harmony in the Godhead. And God says, I am going to create man to have this relationship with me so that they can be in unity and in harmony and in love with God. And he creates this beautiful place called the Garden of Eden for them. And he puts them in there and he says, hey, I'm giving you dominion over everything. You didn't create a single thing here. I created it all but I'm putting you in charge. And we're going to have this relationship. We're going to be able to, I'm going to come and we're going to talk and, and we're going to walk together and we're going to talk together until one day Lucifer comes and deceives Adam and Eve in using their will to choose to turn against God. And now we're separated from God. That fellowship is broken. That relationship, human life has a sacred value. Human life has a sacred value. Being made in the image of God means that our lives are sacred. We have value. We are sacred to God. In fact, the word sacred originates in Latin, it means belonging to God. We say something is sacred. The word literally means belonging to God. We're saying that belongs to God. And you and I own things that have value or significance to us. But only something that belongs to God is worthy of being called sacred, right? Now, we could say we have things that are sacred. Maybe we got them from our parents or from our grandparents or our great-grandparents. Like, man, those, those are just sacred. Those are important. But really, the word sacred means belonging to God. All of creation belongs to God. There's no doubt about it because God's created it all. But he places value on human life. He places value on human life more than, than anything else, right? And, and we see... In his instructions to Adam and Eve, watch, to exercise dominion over the earth. God, in verse 28 of Genesis 1, God blessed them. God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over everything living thing that moveth upon the earth. So he values life and he is given dominion. We are given dominion over the earth. So what about human life? is so significant to God. It's different, as we've already talked about, it's different from the animals, it's different from the angels, it's different from all other creation, is that we are spiritual beings with a living soul. It's, it's interesting how, you know, you read old stories and even you see movies and stuff like this and... Um, this desire for, you know, finding the fountain of youth or the desire to find something that makes you immortal, right? Where, where does man come up with the desire to be immortal? Where does man come up with the desire to live forever? Do you know why we have that desire? No, not really the fear of death, although there, there is that aspect to it now. But why, why does man have that desire to be immortal and live forever? That's how we were created. We were created immortal. We were created to live forever. And here's the thing. We will live forever. 
Every single person that is born will live forever. Cats and dogs and horses and sheep and goats and pigs and fish and dolphins, and they don't live forever. But man was created to live forever. And I'm sorry if I just burst your bubble and like animals weren't created to live forever, right? Sorry, all dogs don't go to heaven and all that kind of stuff, right? I mean, they're nice while they're here, but uh, we're not talking about the same thing, okay? But we were. When God placed man in the Garden of Eden, they were placed there to live forever, to live with God. That sin caused a separation from God, but guess what? And this is why when you, when you study it, do you, do you understand that when God placed the, the angel with the flaming sword, there was a reason why he did that? God places the angel with the flaming sword in front of what? Not the garden, but what? The tree of life. Why was it so important for God to protect the tree of life from Adam and Eve? Think about it for a second. Why is it so important for God to protect the tree of life? If we're already created to live forever, why was it important for God to protect the tree of life so that Adam and Eve could not get to it after they had sinned? Rob? All right, what's that? He didn't want sinners to live forever. Because if Adam and Eve would have eaten of the tree of, of life, they already ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but if they would have eaten from the tree of life after eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, Adam and Eve would still be alive today. They would still be alive today. There would be no death for them. And if there is no death, that means they are still and, and I believe in a young earth. I believe that the Bible speaks that God created it and we live in a young earth that's seven, maybe six, seven, eight thousand years old. Okay? That's what I believe the Bible teaches. Okay? That means Adam and Eve would still be alive today. They would still be having to endure all the things for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years, having to endure all the, the sin nature. And so God keeps them from the tree of life so that they will be able to physically die. So well, that doesn't sound very nice. No. Because now they, they were able to die, now they don't have to continue experiencing the curse of sin for thousands and thousands of years. Now, when they, when they died, guess what? They, they were able to be in paradise. I, I was talking to that um, Jehovah Witness lady that called me. She never called me back, by the way. Um, but one of the things she mentioned, she, I, I don't know where she got this from. But Jehovah, I guess, I, I didn't, haven't had the chance to go back and check this out. But Jehovah Witness don't believe that Adam and Eve got to go to heaven. They believe that Adam and Eve died and went to hell. And I, I thought for a second, I said, I mean, there were so many things that we were talking about. I didn't have a really chance to dig into this. Thought, How wrong could you be? How wrong could you be to think, yes, Adam and Eve were at fault and they, and they were the cause of it all, right? There's no doubt about that. But to say that Adam and Eve are in hell simply because they disobeyed God in the garden? Well, if that's true, then we're all going to go to hell because we've all disobeyed. Every one of us has. I, be I believe that Adam and Eve are in heaven today. There's no doubt in my mind that Adam and Eve are in heaven today. Not because they were somehow good. No, because I believe they believed God and they trusted God. And even though they sinned and were separated from God, what did God do? Yes, he came and he cursed the ground and he, he cursed the woman in childbearing and he cursed the man with the, the sweat of his brow and working and things like this. But he also took a sacrifice 
an innocent animal, and he shed the blood of that animal. And he took the skins and covered them. And then what did they in turn do after all of that was done? What did they do? And this is, where I, this is what I believe shows that Adam and Eve would be absolutely in heaven today. What, was, what did they do after that? Well, they left, they left the garden, yeah. You say, is there really a lot written about Adam and Eve after, after that? Well, sure there is. What about, go, go with me to Genesis. Chapter 4. What is Genesis 4, 1 through 4 and 5 all about? What's that? Bringing the sacrifices. Who, who's, who is bringing the sacrifices? Cain and Abel are. How did they know to bring sacrifices? They were taught. Who taught them? Adam and Eve did. And they taught them what sacrifice to bring. That it had to be a blood sacrifice. And that's why God accepted Abel's sacrifice and rejected Cain's because Cain knew it wasn't supposed to be the fruit of the ground. It was supposed to be a blood sacrifice. You see, there's no doubt in my mind that Adam and Eve believed God and they understood this was the payment of sin. And they put their faith in God. Cain did not. Cain said, I'm going to do it my way. But that's the thing. We were created in the image of God. And, and so because of this, we have, we have that sacred value to God because we are a living soul. In Genesis chapter 2, verse number 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Nowhere does it say that about the animals. It simply just says he created, he created the fish in the sea. He created the cattle. He created all the, the four-footed beasts. He created those things. Never does it say he breathed into their nostrils the breath of life so that they could become a living soul. You see, there is value to life. The soul that God created within us is what sets us apart from the animals and makes us sacred to God. So here's a question, and we'll have to end with this because our time's about up. What is a soul? What is a soul? Because we say that we are created as a triune being. We have a spirit, soul, and a body. What is a soul? That's your homework. Study that. What is a soul? Because again, this is what he says. God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Different from the animals. Different from the angels. What God did here is what shows the value of life and sets us apart from everything else. We have to know what that is. So what is a soul? So... We're going to look at that. We'll, we'll take a stab at that next week, see what the Bible says, what a soul is, and why it's so important that we understand that in understanding the sanctity of life and why God values life, why it's sacred to him. doesn't matter if it's just a wee little thing in a mother's womb or if it's a full-grown man or woman. Life is sacred to God. And we'll look at that, what that is. So look, study a little bit about that. What is a soul? And we'll look at what the Bible says next week about that. All right, let's pray. Father, we do thank you that we can, Lord, just come this evening. Lord, help us as we study your word that we would understand that truth matters. We would base our beliefs upon your word. Lord, in the same way that truth matters, also tone matters. And may we speak the truth in love. Lord, may the world know that we stand upon truth, but yet we also stand in love, just as Jesus Christ did. Lord, if it was not for your love, none of us would be able to come to know Christ as our Savior. But yet you spoke the truth that we all needed to be born again.
because we're all sinners. So, Father, thank you for being full of truth and full of grace. And may we exemplify that in our lives as well. Lord, bless us this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you. And um, we're going to be having the teacher worker meeting here in just a couple minutes as soon as everybody.